Yes, people can be interested in new ideas when those ideas are expressed clearly and effectively. Welcome to the Research and Destroy podcast. Here's what we do. Step one, we take a subject. Step two, research the shit out of that subject. And step three, destroy the subject as we discuss what we found. With your hosts, John, Adam, and Justin. Hello, this is John. Hello, this is Adam. Justin. <laughs> that was like an yeah. NPR intro. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in today's uh, episode, listen, we are talking about inventors. Crazy listen. inventors <laughs> was what we wrote down, but I'm not sure if we're going to do crazy inventions. Whoa. Whoa, whoa. Wacky hair, gold, yeah. uh, see-through balls with electricity inside of them. Yeah. <laughs> Don't say see-through balls. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so an inventor, for those that don't know what it is, is someone what invents, according to every definition I looked at. <clears throat> but essentially, I think we all know what it is. Someone that creates something new uh, or creates a device, a method, a form. Uh, that Those are the in- inventors. That And that is their invention. So whoever first came up with the idea of making something round with an axle, that's the person that invented the wheel, right? I mean, that's a simple... Yep thing but that like because round things existed and poles existed and but they when they brought that together and realized look this is the purpose then that's the invention that's funny yeah can we actually trace the invention of the wheel i don't think so i don't know really i mean i think that's like there's been a wheel since maybe before recorded history how about that so i don't know (laughs) it wasn't like they were like first writing then wheel (laughs) Yeah. yeah i think the wheel's probably a pretty pivotal just from i mean it probably started with just rolling things on a log well it's technically a wheel in a way right if you're using it to transport something you couldn't normally move yeah. by rolling yeah well like you've seen how they did the like the blocks for the pyramids where they had like a bunch of them in a row and they would roll the blocks across like 30 logs basically yeah. and then as they rolled over the last few they'd take them and bring them around to the front yeah that's how they did it that's one of like, like the methods like they talk about kind of yeah. yeah, like a conveyor oh. belt. But it's just they only had a segment that was like a block and a half long or, you know, one of those stones long, one and a half of those stones long. And they just as they it would roll past the first few, like imagine a bunch of pencils sitting there. And as your hand rolled across the pencils, you'd grab the few pencils from back and put it in the front and you were just building the track for it the whole way. I thought that's we like had no clue of, how the pyramids were built. I mean, I, I don't know that that's the only method, but yeah, they have a lot of ideas about how it's built. Hmm. I feel like they have a pretty confident way. Boy, this is not the subject. <laughs> I thought they was built out of stone. No, you <laughs> you were very confident. You're like, here's how they built the pyramids. I'm like, I thought that was a mystery. I don't think it's like a complete mystery. I don't think they can be like, this is definitely how they did it. But I think there's been a lot of like speculation. And then people have like tried that with real people and real giant blocks. I think yeah. aliens invented the pyramids. Yeah, I'm sure you do. I'm sure Alex does. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so when we started thinking about this topic, uh, Adam, what what were you looking to find? Um, I wasn't sure if I was going to just go looking for kind of obscure-ish inventors or if I was going to look to look at a specific invention and trace it back to the inventor. Mm-hmm. Um, but I so I started looking the, doing the first thing and just trying to find somebody who I thought had uh, an interesting life that also was an inventor. So I wasn't sure what I would I guess what I would find. I was like. There's been so many inventions, it was kind of hard to pinpoint one that would have a cool story. Yeah. But um, but that's what I was hoping I would find. And were you not looking for something that was, like, too well-known? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, How about you, you, John? What do you think? 
What were you looking for? Yeah, I also for? I also wanted something obscure that nobody else kind of knew about. Also, uh, I, I wanted to. I, I just saw the movie um, First Man. With it, if you guys know about it, is about um, Neil Armstrong and everything. Okay. N- not an inventor, but I'll, I'll I'll explain where I'm going with this. Um, there's there are scenes in the movie where they show him basically in those like those test planes, those gliders that they would use to see how high you can go up into the atmosphere and then you know land back down type of a thing. Okay. Um, it's the very first scene in the movie, so it's not like a spoiler or anything. Spoiler but, like, alert. Um, <laughs> so, um, but I wanted to, fi- I wanted to find, um, I, 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 it made me think that like a lot of inventions, you don't know if, if you're the inventor, you don't know if they're going to work unless you test them. Um, yeah, sure. and so, and so a lot of times inventors are putting their lives at risk. Well, that's, that'll, that'll basically lead me into my, my subject. Well then this is, uh, I feel like a lot like what well, I'm going to actually let you go first since it's leading in your subject, but let me just get my thoughts out real quick. Um, yeah. So that's that's what I was looking for too. I was just looking for something that had some depth to it, and uh, I know we talked about crazy inventions and crazy inventors. Like that was kind of all on the table, uh, but I think we're all doing inventors. I was saying it like that, wasn't I? Yes, inventors. I'm like, oh my god, put your wine down. <laughs> you're hitting all. You're basically. I feel like you're in the room with me. Who the hell do you think you are? <laughs> Get off your pedestal. So, uh, and I, I kind of was on the same path as you guys. I, I wanted something a little, um, not main. I didn't, Albert Einstein probably wasn't who I should, <laughs> uh, yeah. you know, everybody and Tesla, although Tesla did cross my mind. Cause it's like, I don't know a ton. I know like the basics, like the top level details, yeah. but I know he's, he's an interesting guy, but I'm sure someone else has covered him. So whatever. So I don't think we're going to be, you know, whatever, filling, uh, missing, a something there leaving the audience needing something because it's available somewhere else but anyways john you said that uh that led you into your subject yeah yeah so so i like i mean you know like i said you know these guys um a lot of them you know people always think of an invent inventor inventor <laughs> and uh they just <laughs> gotta stop I, I i don't i don't like either way that i'm saying it if i say inventor it sounds pedestrian pedestrian <laughs> It, 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 it sounds so right? rudimentary. <laughs> oh, John, you know what? I think your monocle fell off. <laughs> oh, it's it fell in my wine glass. <laughs> Same joke. Now I got to climb down off my pedestal. So, so. Well, you, it'll, yes. it'll help you get off your high horse. <laughs> Step off your high horse on your pedestal. <laughs> These jokes are inventorable. I'm telling you what. Hey, buddy. Uh, inventorable. All right, go ahead. <laughs> so, well, a lot of people don't realize about um, about inventors is that, um, like I said, they a lot of them are just are risking their lives for their invention. You know, I brought up Neil Armstrong just because I saw him doing a lot of like training and stuff, and a lot of that. There's a scene in the very beginning of the movie, First Man, where he's like, you know, test um, test glider thing that he's in. He goes outside of the atmosphere, and it basically starts his altitude starts going up and up and up out of his control. Um, so they're like, Neil, you got to bring, you got to bring it back down. He's like, and he can't, he's switching the buttons. He's working the lever and it's not coming back down. So, and it's like scary. And I'm like, man, you know, these guys are like, you know, they're not only just thinking up ideas, they're also risking their lives for their idea because they feel it's that important. So that leads me to my inventor. Now that we've recorded our opinions, I think we should investigate to find out whether or not our opinions are based on good reasons. The gentleman's name is Larry Patrick. Have you guys ever heard of Larry Patrick at all? I've never even heard that name. 
No. His, for, his formal name is Lawrence M. Patrick. Oh, yeah. Oh, the, oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was, um, so this gentleman, uh, born I in Detroit. I thought the whole time you were talking about Lawrence W. Patrick. <laughs> I didn't realize it was M. That, yeah, of course, fam- I wish you more- said that. The more famous Lawrence Patrick, of course, yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, he's from Arabia, I think. This gentleman, um. don't, don't. <laughs> um, this gentleman, we can thank him basically for um, making cars safer. I won't do. He that. is. He, well, I mean, I, I think you should. Uh, you, you owe it to him. We'll find out. It's uh, if you cared. So basically, like when cars were first starting to be like you know in the fifties, like main you know. Like, uh, you know, everybody was starting to have one, basically, mm-hmm. you know, like right after the World War II ended and everything. So yep. there were people com- people coming out and saying, listen, <clears throat> we can't make cars any safer. Um, basically, if you're in a car accident, you're probably going to die. So he, <laughs> that's th- that is that is no joke, by the way. There were like what kind of announcement. Hey, everybody. Thank you for coming today. <laughs> they- <laughs> car makers of America. Yeah, you're going to die. Yep. That's what Anyways, yeah, uh, thanks for coming. Joseph. Don't get in an accident. Yeah. We will be adapting the uh, the beer cup holder. Um, and we're going to be putting that here on the left-hand side. <laughs> but, uh, but um, yeah, so basically they, they had kind of given up on it. They basically said, yeah, if you get in a car accident, you're like kind of screwed. Like the world had given up or car manufacturers? Car manufacturers. No. Uh, well, there was no like, like, this is it. <laughs> there there were like no safety boards or anything at that time, like government, you know, overwatch type things or anything for that type of stuff. So yeah, they were like, listen, you, you're taking the risk when you buy a car. It's, it could happen. So you owe it to this guy. Essentially, he, he came up with like collapsible steering columns, uh, safety glass for windshields, um, oh, seat belts, right. obviously uh, airbags, all that, like everything that is in a car that can save your life. And basically started, he started the whole momentum for you know <clears throat> what people are still doing nowadays to make cars as safe as is humanly possible right the thing so the, the one of the other inventions that he had in, in, in the same milieu or a wheelhouse if you will um was the crash test dummy uh-huh. so so he had good motivation for wanting to build the crash test dummy um, not only to save other humans lives but mostly his because <laughs> because he to make cars safer he was putting himself into like as, as he was using himself as a crash test dummy jesus christ oh. yes so so car manufacturers were on like i said they were on public record saying vehicles um could not be made survivable they basically said the forces in a crash were <clears throat> too great human body is too frail right so th- this guy <laughs> would <Fucking laughs> deal with it sincerely yours, no, I, Henry basically Ford. yeah it, it was a deal with it <laughs> <laughs> it was a deal with it scenario, actually. So they just get in, tap um, on the microphone, suck my dick, Henry, <laughs> and then he's done. Um, so basically, he, he dedicates his whole life to human impact survival research, right? Um, which yeah. is a, like a little known like branch of science. Survival so it's why we have crash test dummies. But um, he was essentially the first crash test dummy. So he, <laughs> so he had his knee. So just some examples. His knee was repeatedly smashed against a metal bo- a metal bar, right? Just, you know. Why? I have that happen once in a while under, like, a desk that has one of those bars there. <laughs> and it is the worst feeling ever. You know what I'm talking about? You have the, and then you, you do it, like, three minutes later, and you're like, motherfucker! We can't make desks any safer. Fucking deal with it. <laughs> we need that bar there on every desk. Where is Lawrence on the desk situation? <laughs> Oh crap! We got the wrong Lawrence. 
<laughs> the W one, not the good one. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like stepping on a Lego or stubbing your toe against like the your we bed post or something. Like that. Anything any yeah. safer? This is a pinnacle of safety <laughs> for all those things. He, um, oh. yeah, knee repeatedly slashed against a metal bar. Um, he oh, underwent. Good. 400 rides on a rocket sled. <laughs> when I read that, that related just... to... <laughs> <Whee! laughs> not related to the crashes. He just likes riding on a rocket sled. That's just how he got around. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's funny. <laughs> God damn. It's funny. Pat, Cause when yeah. I, when I read the sentence and picture it, I just picture him like hanging on, like he's got his, he's like belly down on top of the rocket. Like, he's like hey, Jim, I'll be right over. I'll be there in four seconds. <laughs> <laughs> just hear a wick burning and the phone hang up. <laughs> I, I, I hope your house is a straight is a straight line from mine because I can't fucking turn. <laughs> this pitch does not turn. <laughs> Wait, why was he yes, riding for, rocket sleds? Um, I would assume, um, well, he probably wasn't riding them. They weren't as fast as like rockets. I assume they were going like the normal stuff car and just seeing um, what what the human body could take as far as punishment goes. <clears throat> like as an impact or as mm-hmm. the acceleration? Yes. Oh, okay. De- definitely for impact, most likely. Oh. <laughs> it sounds like a damn Lo- Looney Tunes cartoon. But anyway, it's like yes. um, he actually at one point had a 50-pound pendulum hit him in the chest, which... <laughs> Which, it's like that old footage of the dude taking the yeah. cannonball to the stomach. <laughs> the cannibal, yeah. yeah, taking the cannonball to his stomach. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I actually I thought that at first when I was reading it. I'm like, is that the same guy? But um, yeah, 50 pounds like, is not inconsequential. Was this yeah. guy big? Do you know if this guy was like a hefty guy? Uh, I mean, there's not a lot of like body bodybuilders back then. He is huskier. Okay, huskier. Yeah, he's huskier, I guess. So I guess he could take a little more punishment. I don't know if that's even true. Um, <clears throat> was he? Did but he I mean, he, hair? Uh, he was mostly bald, uh, losing his hair from what I see. But yeah. Okay. What was that supposed to test? Just in case you like just back, <laughs> rear-ended a truck with a huge pendulum on the back. <laughs> it's not related. He just got in a big fight with the grandfather clock. <laughs> <laughs> I think he was guessing like if like the steering column went into your chest, mm-hmm. like in a head-on collision type of a thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I would yeah. guess. Um, like, what is this result? Does this hurt? Ow! Yes. <laughs> We told he you. Just, he just looks down on his paper and writes yes. Yes. Because <laughs> there's no One other data. Why? <laughs> I don't get the knee getting repeatedly slashed against a metal bar, but I guess that's it's just a, that sounds like yeah, like I was gonna say it sounds like he just had a coworker that was like maybe we should try this, maybe like somebody that hated him was just like, <laughs> like he, he like Lawrence always gets the promotions and they're just like ah oh, this motherfucker, uh, you know, and they were just like uh, yeah, well, well why don't we try this? He's like that, what does that have to do with driving a car? He's like ah you never know, we just got to smash up all your bones, don't worry about it. So um, you want to drive the rocket sled, you piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Point it up. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, and the results were, you know, broken ribs, fingers, countless bruises, obviously. Um, But out of that came like priceless data on how the body reacts to, you know, high velocity impacts. Um, Mm. And of course, now we have uh, test dummies, which um, pretty much closely resemble the human body as much as we can get. So, and you know, if you guys drive a car today, you know, and uh, you get in some sort of a crash and something pops out and saves your life, you should thank Lawrence M. Patrick. He's mm. kind of like the uh, like Evil Knievel, but like for good, right? Not just for entertainment. <laughs> but for, like... Not just for entertainment. 
He wasn't just wasting his fucking time. <laughs> Except for that pendulum thing. That thing was weird. <laughs> Evil Knievel. Evil Knievel was such a big deal to us as kids. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, he was... I he was, he was a thing. I, 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 I could have given two shits about Evil Knievel. I did not give a crap. Well, you're risk adverse. You said you, just said you would give two shits, and then you said you couldn't give a crap. So something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Busted. Um, I just... <laughs> Case closed I was hear that you just said two shits, but then you just had zero shits. <laughs> it doesn't add up. No, you must have quit. <laughs> is it could or couldn't give? Uh, I could give two shits. It means I couldn't. Means you means you do care. Yes. Yeah. If you say I couldn't, I couldn't give two shits. Means you don't. That's care. one of my least favorite. Like that's one of my pet peeves is when people say I, I could care less. Like I yeah, they say I could care less. I okay, wanted so to try. You care a little. Where is it? Where are you on the scale of caring? <laughs> it seems like there's a lot of gap there. Yeah. Scale Sorry. of caring invented by Lawrence and Patrick. I do care less. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Pat, Lawrence and Patrick. He yes. so well, why, so he was basically like d- testing himself using his body, and then being like, "Yep, that hurt," and then like yeah. working. So he invented what exactly? Can you run through those inventions real quick again? Oh, I mean, I mean, uh, collapsible steering columns, uh, seat belts, uh, safety glass for windshields, um, collapsible dashboards, airbags, like basically anything. I mean, you could kind of trace anything back to him, but those are the main ones uh, that he what started. What a simple and, like uh, they. So before that, there weren't those things. There weren't correct. Seat belts? Well, well, because because the the auto industry came out and said, you know, they were on public record saying vehicle accidents can't be made survivable. And he's like, well, that's just, you know, fucking deal with silly. it. Yeah. You're going <laughs> to so, die. Yeah. <laughs> Get out there and drive. They did a thing that from like the 90s where you do the like cross across your crotch, like the wrestlers did. <laughs> yeah. Degeneration X. Yeah, that. <laughs> what? I'm talking about with this thing? Yeah. yeah. The they get up there and be oh, like, they yeah. can't be made uh, any safer. And just walk <laughs> off the stage. <laughs> What? Sunglasses, lights, and generation X music plays. Yeah. So the, it's so funny if you think about like airbags. I I don't know why airbags always make me laugh because it sounds like a crazy inventor's thing. Like, you ever see the thing where yeah. like in cartoons or like um, maybe it's in Pee Wee Herman in that scene where like a boxing glove is on like a spring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like what that's airbag is right. Kind of. They were just like, hey, yeah. here's an idea. What if we just inflate a balloon real fast? <laughs> That'll like you just we you know what we would really be helpful if there was a cushion right here. Well, how would you drive? Here's an idea. What if we just filled up right at the last second? Like that's <laughs> uh-huh. how that idea happened. Yeah. It's true. And, and seat, um, seatbelts. It, it's funny because he, he's obviously a smart guy and brave, but you think he mm-hmm. would have thought of the test dummy like before everything else? You know what I mean? Yeah. What like, year was I this appreciate, Oh, this was the fifties. So they had electricity. Like they could have had like impact type sensors, right? Right. Right. Well, I don't. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it, it would. It's kind of. It is kind of weird because you would think that. I guess maybe he had to drive it still, but like you would think that they would have used animals back then. I'm not trying to like be like they should well, have used animals, but like you think they would have just like thrown like a fucking cow in there or a pig in there and be like, okay, here's what happened. pigs smashed against this rocket. <laughs> Didn't the Russians send a monkey into space? Yeah, I mean, like, yeah. They use animals for like t- that kind of testing. Like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to see it happen. Like, I'm, maybe yeah. this guy was like, like putting the usher and the first chimpanzee into this car, and, he, and it must stop here. And he just like walked inside the, co- the they, rocket. And- was he working independently, or was he working for the automotive industry? 
Well, he was a, so he he was a researcher for Wayne State, which is actually in Detroit, as it turns out. Which that, I guess that makes so, sense. But um, so he, he had a team of researchers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I wonder if like expense was a problem because animals are would be expensive. It's cheap to just use yourself. Yeah. And I the guess. thing is, and the thing is, if you bring in like a uh, a team of monkeys, like once you put the first one in and it dies terribly, the other ones are like, I ain't fucking getting in that car. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't have them in the same room. You keep the monkeys uh, yeah, you separated. Don't, you don't show it to them. You just keep you, them up. You don't yeah. usher the monkeys into like a staged area with bleachers and like have them watch the <laughs> other monkey. Fucking start going bananas. Uh, so, Justin. <clears throat> hey, man. I'm just monkeying around. God. Did you, sorry. Did you not find that joke appealing? <laughs> All right. I'm going to split. <laughs> Adam, why aren't you laughing? Off. Because they're not funny. I get it. Because <laughs> these are like these are like demo improv jokes for banana. Yeah. Hey man, this is the best I could do with this such short notice. All right. That's, that's um, beautiful. I loved it. There's got to huh. be one more in there. I'm sure that there is. I don't know. You think about it. I'll get it. Yeah. If you don't, man, I'm gonna go ape shit. Ah, so, ah, Justin. <laughs> All right. Uh, do you have more about Patrick Lawrence? That would be Lawrence Patrick. I see you're already not respecting his name, so that's cool. That's really cool, man. We really appreciate that. He's got two first names. Fuck his parents. <laughs> I usually feel like that, too, when people have two first names. It's too confusing. It's just all I do is mix them up all the time. Yep. So they deserve to have their last and first name No, mixed but up, it's it, you can't be upset that you're mixing up two first names. It's hard to remember. Yeah. It's like having a 12-digit phone number. It's like, you can't be mad that I can't get it right. You know what I mean? It doesn't follow the same cadence as the other seven digits. So suck it. True. All right. I, <laughs> That's in addition to In addition to that, we can't make cars any safer, so suck our butts. <laughs> uh, well, since... Do you mind if I go next? Go for I don't mind. Good. Because um, you said something about rocket sleds, which is a perfect transition to my person. How? Hey. <clears throat> I'm glad you asked. So the person I'm talking about is a little fellow named Jack Parsons. Don't. I do know what Parsons Jack. Is, is he the one you're thinking <laughs> oh! of? <laughs> yeah, he's... Uh, shut up. Sorry, I'm just flinging shit. Yeah. Oh, I see. <laughs> hey, man. Well, you can do that when you're king of the jungle, I guess. That's a lion. <laughs> That's a <laughs> lion. It's a lion. <laughs> hey, man, take more pride in your jokes, Justin. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I'm trying to. Uh. Okay, uh, so yeah, Jack Parsons, uh, whose real name is Marvel Whiteside Parsons. Cool. Yes. No, that's not real. <laughs> that's real. Uh, but he went by John. Uh, essentially, he was born in 1914, but he went by Jack. But his mom. Wait, John, John, John is your name Marvel? <laughs> it could be. Goddamn. It's Whiteside. If it, if it was, that's <laughs> if it was that, that's what I'd be going by for Christ's sake. Yeah, it's an inter- interesting name. Um, so yeah, he, uh, was born in 1914 and he is kind of credited with inventing the first rocket engine. That's it. Yeah. He was the first rocket engine that used, used castable composite rocket propellant and he pioneered the advancement of liquid fueled and solid fueled rockets. So I guess they didn't have rockets that could do that, uh, Mm -hmm. before that. Anyways, he was born in California. He was raised by a wealthy family in an orange grove, Pasadena, and he really liked science fiction. Shortly after he was born, his dad got caught with a prostitute, so his mom left the dad. Yep. Or she found out he'd been visiting a prostitute or whatever. This old Um, story. Just visiting? Well, yeah. (laughs) Just old high school friends. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But anyway, so he, uh, the mom um, 
moved away or the forced the dad to leave or whatever it was. And then their, her parents who were wealthy came in and it's like was supporting her while he was growing up or whatever. He was going to public or private schools for a while, but then the, I guess the great depression hit when he was oh, yeah, in his, means- um, like when he was like 14 or 15 and mm-hmm. he, uh, his, his, the, grandparents fortune like dwindled and eventually he like his mom had to like they had to move to a different house and different job he had to go to public school uh where he met a guy named uh a last name of foreman am i saying that right am i saying the right yeah edward foreman um so basically he he uh jack parsons was pretty well educated uh but foreman was from a poor working class family and the parsons was not popular in school he was like viewed as like a richy rich and like effeminate and he basically got bullied uh, but mm-hmm. this guy Foreman um, basically like defended him and they became friends. They bonded over science fiction and all the other stuff they liked. But they also really liked rockets and spaceflight. That was something they were really into, even though it wasn't real yet. And so they started trying to build rockets, basically. In 1928, they adopted the, La- the Latin motto per espera de astra through hardships to the stars. Uh, and began Aww. engaging in homemade gunpowder-based rocket experiments in a nearby Arroyo Canyon. You know where that is? Hmm. Nope. Southern California? It is. Yeah. yeah. Outside of Pasadena. Uh. Anyways. Um, and so <laughs> I invented <he>, geography. <laughs> he's so smart. <laughs> um, yeah, so they, they used commonly available fireworks like cherry bombs and stuff into their rockets, but they also... Um, used glue basically they like did all these experiments trying to make a rocket and they just kept they eventually he like blew a bunch of holes in his like family's backyard left leaving craters everywhere as they were like blowing yeah. shit up all over the place yeah so this reminds me of the you guys see the movie october sky no Jake no. Hall. oh okay no you should check it out is that him is it him yeah jake yeah. Hall is no 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 is it is, is him <laughs> no oh no no is it a portrayal of jack parsons it's in the 50s where they he's a kid gets a Scholarship for rockets. That might when be you say, <laughs> no, yeah, I was gonna say, I don't think it is. Is that not him? I don't when know. You say, when, when you say he invented rockets, I, I need some like elaboration. So like he the invented. Propulsion? So up until that point, it's like a firework. You just basically put packed gunpowder into a thing, and it like exploded out the back, shot a rocket up. Yeah. What they were able to do was make a castable fuel, meaning like a cast, like a like a, they made a form filled it with a stuff that would burn in a certain way that would like prolong. So it would shoot out like, cause fire, yeah, like yeah. Um, firecrackers are just paper with fire, with gunpowder in it, patly, pat, uh, tightly packed. And when you light it, it all explodes at once. And the pressure of the paper causes the gunpowder to like explode itself instead of just blowing it to pieces without doing much or burning up. Right. right? That's how gunpowder works. Same thing with a bullet. You have a, a confined space with gunpowder in it. And then, a cap on the end and it hits the something hits the back with like a little trigger and it explodes and has nowhere else to go except out the back and it shoots the bullet out forward so he invented an up bullet <laughs> yeah it's the, the adventure of the up bullet essentially he, he, not inventing anything Josh. <laughs> hey guys i got this idea for an, or naming anything <laughs> all right i gotta go i gotta go get in my wheel go Go to the money building. <laughs> Take a little sip of my drunk bottle. <laughs> Give me so, my little water bucket. I do remember hearing somewhere that, um, like, the boosters for like the space shuttle, the fuel that's inside them is basically in the form of a foam. 
Um, and okay. you, the fuel for a space shuttle, or at least what it used to be, because they don't do space shuttles anymore, but it's a foam. Wow. Okay. So you, when you said cast, like, a, a is that, is that like related? Like, um, not... So casting is like, um, you ever see where they like make a cast of a big footprint, like Bigfoot yeah. footprint. And they basically, so yeah. casting is like having a shape and then you pour something into it and press it. And basically when you're done, after mm. it dries, you open it up and it's that shape. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I think what they were doing is they were making a combination of explosives and binding agents that when it burned, it burned in a specific pattern that like, imagine it was almost a hollow tube, right? Like a tube enclosed on one side and hollow on this side. This is how I'm picturing it. And you start the fire down here. It just burns from the inside out and never, it doesn't explode. It just keeps shooting fire out the back. So he invented that method. Essentially, he figured out the right combination of chemicals and components to be able to do that. Ah. Because, like, some things would burn for a few seconds and fizzle out, and you wanted it to yeah. be able to burn enough to get it somewhere. Eventually, his experience, his experience in it really led to the invention of the rocket. But he lived, like, a really interesting life. Okay. Um, in addition to inventing the rocket. So um, he started working at the Hercules Powder Company, where he learned more about explosives and their potential use in rocket propulsion. All the while, he was kind of maintaining friendship with this guy, Foreman, and they kept doing their experiments. And so they continued to uh, independently explore the subject in their spare time, building and testing different rockets, sometimes with materials that Jack Parsons stole from his work at the Hercules Powder Company. Parsons soon constructed a solid fuel rocket engine and with Foreman corresponded with pioneer uh, rocket engineers, including Robert H. Goddard, Keith uh, Herman Oberth, a bunch of other people you don't know who they are. Victor um, Von Braun? He, uh, Werner Von Braun. Werner Von Braun, that's what I'm thinking of. How do you the know guy who Because he used to be, he was a Nazi, and he's the guy mm-hmm. that we brought over after World War II to help us get uh, rockets into space. He, used, he, was, he worked at NASA for a long time, but he was a Nazi before that. Oh, whoops. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's cool. Um, he so said, he, oh, whoops. <laughs> oh, true. Six million, six million Jewish people. <laughs> Jesus. I didn't say, oh, whoops, because the Nazi. Just, oh, whoops, that guy was a Nazi. He, he goofed. <laughs> yes. The thing is, they knew he was a Nazi, but yeah, yeah. But they couldn't. Yeah, he is. But he was really good with he was really good with rockets. Like the Nazis had their own rocket program and yeah. he knew what he was doing. So, you know, true. Uh, yeah. yeah, so this guy graduated high school in 1933. He moved uh, with his mother and grandmother to a cheaper house, basically. Um, and he kept trying to go to school, but then couldn't afford it. So that he kept, he didn't have, have a high, uh, university education. So it's all like kind of self-taught. Is that true? Um, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, so he kept going to places, but then not getting, uh, uh, you know, he couldn't stay there for more than a semester or less than a full semester or whatever it was and kept having to stop. So he tried to go to uh, Stanford. He tried to go to... Um, uh, 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 Caltech. Anyways, he eventually he went to a um a con- uh, he attended a lecture on the work of an Austrian rocket engineer named Eugen Sanger and uh, talked to a couple people there, a PhD student that was specializing in rocket powered aircraft. And so he, uh, Jack Parsons, Foreman, and a guy named uh, Frank Molina, all three of them started working together, and they made a thing called the Gaussett Rocket Research Group. And essentially, the, one guy was a mathematician, the Frank Molina. Parsons did the chemistry stuff, and Foreman was the mechanical builder guy, basically. And engineer? they kept trying to, I guess, builder but he guy. wasn't. But he wasn't an engineer. <laughs> they called him the a builderman. Um, <laughs> I believe is the actual <laughs> professional Lego artist. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> he was the, the castologist. He'd make the casts. Um, yeah. So they had a lot of things. They were into, like they had socialist values and they operated on a uh, egalitarian basis. They've had very peace loving kind of anti-capitalist pacifist themes throughout their, their beliefs in their life. And this is the point where it becomes bad because as soon as you say that stuff, some capitalist comes in and murders them all or something somehow. Right. Or we're, we're getting there. Um, oh no. So they often, so they basically, uh, Molina taught the others about scientific procedure and they taught him about the practical elements of rocketry. So they essentially educated themselves. It's the Beatles of rocket building (laughs) kind of where they all taught each other to be better Beatles and rocket builders, rocket rocketists, um, Builderman, Builderman. (laughs) And so they, uh, so at some point in 1934, Parsons met a woman named Helen Northrup at a local church dance. So like he continues doing all this stuff. I'm, this is life is actually more interesting than rockets. That's why I'm going on about it. Oh, yeah. Okay. I like rockets. Uh, it's fine, but it's not as interesting what I'm about to tell you. So Parsons Does he met ever this, meet Elton John? No, but I thought you were going to say a different name. Um, Parsons <laughs> met Helen Northrup, which made me think, is that Northrup of Northrop Grumman? <gasps> but I don't is think it? it is. I just think it's a coincidence. How, but it, it would spelled? make same way. Northrop. With a U? With a U? Yeah, Northrop. Yeah, okay. spelled the same way as the company. I just, I was like, oh, eh, it's not the same person. Though. It's just a name. True. Um, so he proposed marriage in 1934. They got married in 35. Um, and except he, uh, he was kind of a terrible husband. They moved into a house uh, and Parsons gained employment for the explosive manufacturer, Halifax Powder Company. And um, much to her dismay, he spent most of his wages funding the Gausset Rocket Research Group. And for extra money, he manufactured nitroglycerin in their home. <laughs> Oh, Christ's sake. What could go wrong? Uh, And he constructed a home laboratory on their front porch. (laughs) And at one point, he (laughs) pawned her engagement ring, and he often asked her family for loans, trying to fund his rocket stuff. He was so obsessed with it. I picture, like, her at home just, like, doing, like, some chores around the house one day, and all of a sudden the house just goes... Like an up bullet. Yeah. She's got her hands on her hips and she's yelling at him with like the dish rack Jack! and everything. <laughs> what did I tell you about turning the entire house into a rocket? <laughs> um, yeah, so he... Uh, He's got like the gunpowder face and the hairs uh, stick back and everything. <laughs> hair straight back. He kind of looks like... Um, did you see the Captain America, the first Captain America where they, they showed Tony Stark's dad? Yeah, he kind oh, of looks little, like that. Little thin, he's got the, thin he's mustache. Got the little mustache. Yeah. He's kind of he kind of looks just like that actor, yeah. actually. Um, as a matter of fact, okay, when I read right. about this guy, I was like, "Oh shit, he's Tony Stark," <laughs> uh, <laughs> kind of. But uh, yeah, so they had a, they were working. So at some point, they were working at Caltech. That's where they got some funding, and they had a bunch of other people, and they were going to test their first liquid liquid fueled motor, rocket motor. Uh, they took it to a place near Devil's Gate Dam in the Arroyo Seco uh, in Arroyo Seco. Uh, and Parson, uh, and the, from oxygen flowing from one side with methyl alcohol, the fuel and nitrogen flowing from the other side and water cooled, ro- cooled rocket during the burn. Uh, basically it shot out the back and had a diamond that etched a piece of glass to show how far back it went. That was the, that was kind of how they measured it. And three of the attempts to fire the rocket failed on the fourth attempt. The oxygen line was accidentally ignited <laughs> and perilously billowed. Uh, fire at the group, but they viewed this as an, as formative. They basically were like, we learned a lot today, which I guess they say you learn a lot from your mistakes, right? Your failures. Sure. Yeah. You learn more from your failures is what they say. That's what yep. I read. Um, so people keep joining him, but uh, by 1938, the group had made their static rocket motor, which originally burned for three seconds when they first did it run for over a minute. 
So that's a rocket that's running for over a minute. That's a big deal. It's not going it, anywhere. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Three seconds is not enough to get you to anywhere. Um, <laughs> Except Jimmy's house. Yeah. Or yeah, you get on that rocket sled and it goes to John's house. Um, so Parsons was invited. Oh, so at some point, uh, he, Parsons was in, was be, he became the technical expert. What is it called? Expert witness in a case where a um, police officer that was uh, investigated for basically there was a car bomb and they brought in Parsons as an expert explosives witness oh. to like explain how it could work and reconstruct the bomb and whatever. Uh, and like some deputy, I guess, was he got in trouble for reporting for like narking on cops that were corrupt or something like that. And so he was um, he, they thought he was planning revenge on the person that basically turned said it was this guy that told on them. And so they thought there was some plot. Doesn't matter. So anyways, he basically got public. It was a big deal. And he got public recognition for being like this expert scientist, even though he didn't even go to university. Your Honor, the murderer was a rocket. <laughs> How do you know? Well, there's a hole in the man's chest about yay. <laughs> and his hair's blown back and the He's got the where his glasses were. His face. Where his glasses were, it's <laughs> yes. white still. He's got the raccoon eyes. Yeah. The reverse <laughs> raccoon eyes. He was invited by a guy to lecture on his rocketry at chapter number four uh at the Los Angeles Science Fiction League. Although he never joined the society, he occasionally attended their talks, and on one occasion he even talked with a young teenage Ray Bradbury. Bradbury. Ooh, the author? Yeah. In 1939, John and another person, uh, a brother and sister who had befriended Jack and Helen Parsons, took Jack to the Church of Thelema on Winona Boulevard. Do you remember Thelema? Yes, from one of our previous episodes, but it was... Yeah. Uh, uh, for those that don't remember, uh, where he, he he was taken there to witness the performance of the Gnostic Mass, and uh, celebrants of the church had included Hollywood actor John Carradine... Uh, Harry Hay, who is a gay rights activist, Parson was intrigued, having already heard of Thelema's founder and outer head of the order of the Ordo Templi Orientis, Alistair Crowley. Oh, that was going to get one. That guy's yeah. nuts. <clears throat> yeah, he is. Um, so basically, he was he was he became this big OTO member mm. uh, and a member of Thelema. Huh. This is interesting. I know. Uh, so he continued <laughs> to read Alistair Crowley's works, with in, which increasingly interested him, encouraged Helen to read them too, his wife. Uh, Parsons came to believe in the reality of the Thelemic magic as the force that could be explained through quantum physics. He tried to interest his friends and acquaintances in Thelema, taking science fiction writers Jack Williamson and Cleve Cartmill to a performance of the Gnostic Mass. Although they were unimpressed, Parsons was more successful with somebody else, a young Caltech student, as well as McMurdy's fiance Claire Palmer and Helen's sister, Sarah Northrup. Jack and Helen were initiated into the Agape Lodge, the renamed Church of Thelema, in 1941. He, like, started becoming a thing in Thelema. Was he, like, a rocket priest? He was, like, he was very, like, Thelema, I think we didn't really touch on this quite as much. No. Um, what's wrong? I don't know. I just, I'm trying to think of what his title would be in this religion. He's just pictured a priest with, like, priestly robes with rocket boots on that just, like, has <laughs> wheels on them as you just, like, escape. <laughs> Boy. Perfect. <laughs> he essentially he closet, continues. All the brooms and shit fall out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> One ball rolls out. Yeah. Old skis. Um, <clears throat> which are always in a closet. So apparently in 1940, so he, in 1941, during which Parsons encouraged to do by, Helen went away for a period in 19, June 1941, during which Parsons encouraged to do so by the sexually permissive attitude of the OTO, 
began a sexual relationship with her 17-year-old sister, Sarah. <laughs> Bro. But that was cool. that was like cool back then, right? Like that age was okay back then? Yeah. I mean, right. Yeah, that wasn't like it is today. Sarah, upon Helen's return, Sarah asserted that she was Parsons' new wife. <laughs> <laughs> and Parsons <laughs> himself admitted that he found Sarah more sexually attractive than Helen. Conflicted in her feelings, Helen sought comfort in uh, his friend Smith and began a relationship with him that lasted for the rest of his life. The four remained friends. Sight sub note. <laughs> from so wait, from then forward, every Thanksgiving was awkward as shit. <laughs> Dude, so they had a love on... square and everything? <laughs> she went on vacation. He started banging her younger sister. And when the, the older sister came back, the younger sister was like, I'm his wife now. <laughs> and then he was like, yeah, I like her more. <laughs> She's hotter. And then. <laughs> My God. Like, Dude, Our love is cool. really taken off. Oh, oh, man. Yeah, it's an explosive kind of love. I can't explain it. <laughs> uh, but anyways, so they uh, they all became friends. And two, the two couples, uh, along with a number of other Thelemites, uh, moved to all into like a big mansion and had like. Cool. Uh, yeah. So they called it they called it the uh, Agape Lodge. And there's all this like so they, <laughs> they all contributed to the rent of one hundred dollars a month and lived communally in what replaced the uh, old Thelemic mansion maintaining an allotment and slaughtering their own livestock for meat as well as blood rituals <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he's getting weird again he's getting weird this dude yeah. is living a full life i mean um, <laughs> parsons decorated his new room with a copy of the steel of Revel- uh, Revel- revealing which is a statue of pan and his collection of swords and daggers <laughs> oh oh he's oh, a weed. yeah he's a weed. <laughs> Uh, he converted the garage and laundry room into a chemical laboratory and often held science fiction discussion meetings in the kitchen. He, uh, I'm going to skip through. He eventually, he knows L. Ron Hubbard. They became friends. Dude, he was uh, appointed head, head of that lodge, the Agape Lodge. Yeah. Uh, so wow. Parsons, yeah. So Parsons, because he would like kind of like became, he hit it off with Alistair Crowley, like, you know, who was in London and they were like funding him. So like, I think because the money was coming in, they were like, you're obviously uh, very Thelemic. So you are very, very good in this organization. <laughs> um, but I think, I mean, I think it, was, it felt like it was mostly money was what was driving his, him up the ranks. Yeah. So anyways, um, so Parsons and Sarah were in an open relationship encouraged by the OTO's polyandrous sexual ethics. And she became enamored with L. Ron Hubbard, who was uh. also a member. <laughs> uh. Uh, Parsons, despite attempting to repress his passions, became intensely jealous and motivated to find a new partner through occult means. Parsons began to devote his energies to, to conducting black magic, causing yeah. concern among fellow OTO members who believed that it was invoking troublesome spirits into the parsonage. Jane Wolfe wrote to Crowley that our own Jack is enamored with witchcraft and the Homefort vo- voodoo. From the start, he always wanted to evoke something no matter what. I am inclined to think as long as he got a result. Whatever that means. So essentially, he uh, he, he started telling residents that he was imbuing, imbuing statues in the house with magical energy and so he could sell them to fellow occultists. Parsons reported paranormal events in the house resulting from the rituals, including poltergeist activity, sightings of orbs and ghostly apparitions, and alchemical effect on the weather, and disembodied voices. One ritual <laughs> allegedly brought screaming banshees to the windows of the parsonage, an incident that disturbed Foreman for the rest of his life. <laughs> Jeez. So basically, um, this guy started out strong and then taped off. In 1945, Parsons began a series of rituals based on Anarchian magic, which I don't know what that is. 
E N O C H I A N, uh, which was it was a system of ceremonial magic based on the evocation and commanding of various spirits, uh, and it's based on some people's True. writing. I, I mean, I read a little bit about it, but it didn't get too like it was. A whole, it could be a whole episode on that during <laughs> during of which he masturbated onto magical tablets, <laughs> accompanied by Sergei something's somebody's music, describing uh, this magical operation as the Babylon working. He hoped to bring about the incarnation of Thelemic uh, goddess Babylon onto Earth. He allowed Hubbard to take part as his scribe, rev- believing that he was particularly sensitive to detecting magical phenomenon. He thought L. Ron Hubbard was particularly sensitive to detecting magic. And here's a quote. Parsons jerked off in the name of the sp- spiritual advancement. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... People will say anything when they get caught. You know what I mean? Yeah. So this is what someone else described it as. Parsons jerked off in the name of spiritual advancement while Hubbard scanned the astral plane for signs and visions. Nice. Uh, The final final ritual took place in the Mojave Desert in late February 1946, during which Parsons abruptly decided that his undertaking was complete. Uh, on returning to the parsonage, he discovered that uh, Marjorie Cameron, an unemployed illustrator and former Navy WAVE, I don't know what that is, had come to visit. Believing her to be the elemental woman and manifestation of Babylon that he had invoked, he basically thought he brought this woman into being. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> in early March, Parsons began performing sex magic rituals with Cameron, who acted as his scarlet woman, while Hubbard continued to participate as a amanusius, uh, which is a person that basically just writes everything down. <laughs> oh, a scribe. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know why they use such a weird word. Unlike the rest of the household, Cameron knew nothing at first of the Parsons' magic uh, magical intentions. I didn't know anything about the OTO. I didn't know that they had invoked me. I didn't know anything, but the whole house knew it. Everybody was watching to see what was going on. <laughs> so basically, uh, she just well, shows up and he's like, oh, hey, magic woman. Uh, <laughs> fucking crazy. Mostly what they find is, is him jerking off, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, so he does that and then eventually he um, she goes on to live, like she's an artist, so she goes on to live to like the, I want to say to the 90s or something like that. Nice. Like she lived for a long time. He did not. He dies in 1952. Let me tell you about this. Um, So Parsons and Cameron decided to travel to Mexico for a few months, both for a vacation and for Parsons to take up a job opportunity, establishing an explosives factory for the Mexican government. That's not going to work out. They hoped that this would facilitate (laughs) a move to Israel where they could start a family where Parsons could bypass the U.S. government. Basically, he got at some point uh, because of his like weirdness, he got accused during the Red Scare of communist something yeah and they took away his security clearance so he couldn't keep uh Mm -hmm. designing rockets Mm -hmm. so on june 17th uh 1952 a day before their planned departure parsons received a rush order of explosives for a film set and began work on it in his home laboratory an explosion destroyed the lower part of the building during which parsons sustained mortal wounds his right forearm was amputated his legs and left arm were broken and a hole was torn in the right side of his face uh, despite these critical injuries, Parson was found conscious by the upstairs lodgers. He tried to communicate with the arriving ambulance workers, but he was basically declared dead less than an hour later. Um, some people say that it was, oh, and then his mother, after hearing the news, immediately took a fatal overdose of barbiturates. Really? Yes. Mm. Uh, and Cameron, uh, who is now his wife, learned of her husband's death from reporters at the scene when she returned home from grocery shopping. That's weird. Uh, so he was only, what is that, 52, 14. So he's like in his 40s, mid 40s. Um, he fit a lot into those years. 37. Though. What's that? Yeah. He fit a lot into those years. He did. Uh, yeah. So he, he was, his resting place is in the Mojave Desert, but uh, 
His occupation is marked as rocket engineer, businessman, occultist. <laughs> fucking interesting. He he also founded the the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which you know of. You've heard of that, the Jet, jet Propulsion Laboratory. Yeah. How do I? Like, how do I? Know? It's like the it's that's what they where they develop rockets, <laughs> like the Pasadena yeah. Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Oh, it's just called, okay. it's just called right. the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Yeah, it's um, where they it's it's near like Death Valley, I think. That's where they can like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. But it's called JPL. It's like basically, uh, yeah, it's part it's part of Caltech. But he was the one that mm-hmm. founded it. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. His life is really interesting. When he started going into the Thelema, I was like, oh shit. Yeah. Get weird. Yeah. Get, he got Anything real weird. L. Ron Hubbard. So he had connections to the Ordo Templo. Templo. Or, 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 or Templi, Ordo Templi Orientis. Yeah, nailed it. <laughs> and and Scientology. Yeah. I mean, huh. I don't think there was Scientology there. I want to say his first wife started the foundation of Dianetics. Like, I think she was there kind of helping L. Ron Hubbard form that. Or maybe it was his second wife. I guess I don't know. I read it. Now I'm forgetting it because I read it and I didn't really touch on this part, but in Oof. this article. Right. Like, what an interesting guy. He's like, I really like rockets. Also sex and cocaine <laughs> whatever he was into <laughs> i mean he's still human just because he invents something you know it doesn't it's mean true. you know i'm sure yeah. uh I'm, I'm sure lawrence frank was uh was nope. uh you know that's not his name patrick <laughs> lawrence i'm sure lawrence you have, patrick you have no respect that. for lawrence patrick <laughs> lawrence, M. lawrence patrick. w patrick i still got two first it's the oh, other how dare you adam <laughs> the other I st- one i still had two first names it's true <laughs> it's true anyway. dude I'm sure Lawrence Patrick was uh, slaying his fair share of groupies. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Banging, banging <laughs> all their knees 400 times. Yeah. It's bagging and tagging, man. Don't yep. say that. All right, Adam. Uh, <laughs> sorry. That easily segues into my topic. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm talking about a rocket. <laughs> red rockets is my topic. Uh, I, say red rockets. I had to, uh, I did a couple, uh, researched a couple different people. So, before I go into my the person that I ended up going with, I want to give a quick shout out to a woman by the name of Stephanie Kabolek. Hey, Stephanie Kabolek. Stephanie. Stephanie. What up, girl? She uh, was the inventor oh, of the synthetic fibers known as Kevlar Kevlar vests, which is pretty cool. But I wanted Maybe. I wanted more than that, and I, I, I shout out shout out. Okay, you actually so, little known fact that's named after its actual inventor, Kevin Lawrence. That's not true. No, that's not. That's, not true. <laughs> no. that's why they called it Kevlar. 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 He, went, yeah. Kevlar? Well, he, he went by he went by Kevin Larry. So how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Kevin M. Larry. <laughs> my, my next shout out goes over to Grace Hopper. Grace uh, Hopper. Grace Hopper. <laughs> she was the uh, pioneer of computer programming and invented one of the first um, uh, com- compilers for uh, program languages, and which ended up turning into COBOL. She was like one of the first computer nerds within uh nasa or within nasa within the nsa thank you rocket people uh within Mm -hmm. the nsa (laughs) Uh, one a missing i I apologize (laughs) profusely those were my my first two but the one that i had to go with was a little pal that i like to call bill his name was william buckland (laughs) aka bill buckland um i don't know i don't know if he went by bill but but um you know william put some respect on his name i'm sorry he uh, he was around. Uh, so these an older chap. He was uh, born in the 1700s, 1784 through uh, 1856. <clears throat> yeah, and he was an, an English uh, theologian, and he also was a geologist and a paleontologist. Would you mind saying those years one more time? 
1784 through 1856. Oh, wow. So back in the day. Okay. Famous back inventor. Back, from back in the day. So the like old day. Not modern technology. So I was like going on inventions and inventors to begin with. And I kind of got sidetracked per usual. And I found some, I found this guy who is less of an inventor and more of a discoverer. So I s- yeah. said, screw it. This is the person. That counts. Yeah. So this guy, which we'll get to in a screw minute. Screw it. What is he famous for? He is famous Adam for. Adam was reading. So he tore the paper. Screw it. <laughs> screw it. Just tore up that internet. Yeah. Yep. So this guy, what he's famous for is he found the first full account, the first uh, dinosaur fossil, which he named Megalosaurus. Basically discovered the dinosaur fossil. And that Fine. dinosaurs in general. I love dinosaurs. I yeah. know you do. I know you do. So this, this touches home for you. He uh, did a bunch of different research, cool stuff, which we'll get into in a second, but he did a bunch of different things. And when he grew up, he, uh, he went to Oxford and he was the first geologist out of Oxford. He kind of founded the geology department at Oxford. So what? he's the first guy who's just like, I, I give a shit he founded about dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, he, he founded dinosaurs too. Yeah, he did all these things at the you same guys, time. Look what I founded. I thought you went to Oxford. <laughs> Everyone's just like, sounds true to me. Whatever. Let's I give founded it, it on the ground over there. <laughs> so where where he grew up, I guess in uh, the part of England that he grew up, he uh, we used to go for walks with his dad, and that area apparently is very rich and. Uh, and the different minerals that are around there. So his dad used to like walk him around and they used to find like, like other fossils and animal footprints and stuff like that too. So he's like always been immersed in geology and mm-hmm. just the idea of what fossils are and where they were. So I guess he was just like randomly born into a place that, you know, that existed. So kind of luck if you have it. I will have it. And he, and he did. You, yeah, he, he definitely had it. Yep. So he, he basically uh, went to, did multiple colleges and got different degrees and he traveled around uh, England getting soil samples and kind of giving lectures on uh, different types of rocks, which cool, great, grand, right? But what was, what was, uh, <laughs> yeah, great, great story, great story, man. Tell me more uh, about get rocks. On with it. <laughs> he, he traveled around with, I guess, this, this, uh, this horse that he had all over England, Scotland, and Ireland. And it, yeah, he, he had a horse that would, was so obedient that he would just like load it up like a donkey with like fossils and dirt that he like travel all around people like people knew him as this traveling guy that would just load up this horse with fossils and stuff and this horse I guess like only responded to him and like wouldn't wouldn't move unless he told him to and like the horse would stop at the fossil sites and like wait for him to get the fossils and load the horse up it's just like this cool like weird relationship that he had with this horse I guess like, like a dog though, but like a horse yeah like a dog horse mule is kind of what he had yeah <laughs> And uh, so he had this interesting thing with a horse going on for a while. And then he kept uh, going. <laughs> say That's how I want to say horse. it. That's how I want to say it. Okay. <laughs> and uh, one of the lectures that he was famous for, I guess he was also very famous for having a bunch of animals as pets and companions. And he, in his classes, that he, when he became a teacher, he would bring in animals and stuff. So it was almost like this Dr. Doolittle type of person. I guess one of the, at one of the lectures, for an example... He had a very popular lecture because all the students wanted to go hang out with animals and see this crazy professor talk about, you know, animals and historical fossils that he found and yada, yada, which sounds pretty cool to begin with. He had the accounts of fossil bones um, of different things like elephants, rhinos, hippopotamuses, horses, oxes, deers, hyenas, tigers, bears, wolves, blah, 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 rodents, all sorts of things, right? Mm -hmm. So it was commonly assumed that those remains were uh, basically from the time of, in biblical times, of the Great Flood. So he was one of the first people that started separating the... He was also really religious, so he used, he separated 
fossils from the, what time they were from and this great flood event and kind of pulled those two things apart. So he was like kind of being like, hey, I'm still religious, but I want you guys to know I have some more details here about what happened and what you dinosaurs. and said he was a, a Is that right? Yeah, he's a theologian. Okay. But he was like respectful about it. He was just kind of like, Let's, I believe in this stuff too, but I'm letting you know the book of Genesis is not super, this is not super true what we're believing here. Like some of these, eventually later on, he found, I guess, the the oldest, get the true term for it because it's all this technical stuff, but human in England that dates back to like 33,000 years or something. Okay. So he, they eventually kind of figured that out. Like, this is kind of not matching up with what's going on with the Bible, but, you know, just letting you guys know. Uh, so side note there. Yeah. yeah. But he used to have uh, lectures where he would go down and bring like skulls of animals and living animals around him. So he's I teaching guess, this stuff. Yeah, he's, he's teaching it and like showing what his discoveries were. Because I mean, this is so 18, early 1800s. Fossils, but they didn't have, they, they, had, they knew fossils, like they knew fossilized dinosaurs, uh, elephants. Right. But he, but he later discovered the big lizard that he called like the Megalosaurus, which eventually oh. turned out to later be the first dinosaur, like the first discovered. And is it actually the Megalosaurus or was it something else? He labeled it that, gave it that name. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but like, oh, is that oh, what okay. we call it now? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think a megalosaurus is an actual dinosaur. That's right, I don't I think it's like is... a, I don't think it's an actual dinosaur, but it was like his first like big reptile, a big lizard is what they called it or something. He called it that. Okay, gotcha. So he uh, <clears throat> he was famous for one of the one of the lectures going down there with like a skull with like a hyena skull, and he like ran down the steps and he would like, yell at the undergrads, and one of them he'd be like, "Hey, what rules the world?" And like the kid was like. <laughs> hey ladies he, he yeah. sh- like shrugged his shoulders and uh he ran up to another kid he was like hey you what rules the world with like this hyena skull in his hand and the kid's like i i don't know and uh he ran, ran to the next one and he's like he i guess got in front of the class and he was like this uh, one of the kids i guess returned back and said the stomach and he basically said yes they said the stomach rules the world the great ones eat the less the lesser and the lesser still so he was like kind of this proponent of this around the same time of the, of Darwin and like this just oh, the stronger, bigger people just eat yes. the, the smaller stuff. He was also um, <clears throat> famous for finding bezoars and uh, ex- wait, those and are real. At, well, and looking at what I guess I forget the term of it nowadays, but like basically a petrified feces from animals to dis- discover their their behaviors and their patterns. Um, I don't like that. What is so, a, what is a bezoar? That's I know, basically I what I guess what it was originally is like a hardened. Um, set of excrement from an animal or a creature. I thought it was a kidney stone from like a goat or something. I wasn't but, really okay. sure what it was. I've heard it before, but yeah, that's, I guess that was that was the old terminology for what it was for. So, anyways, uh, he 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 had a wife also who was super crazy into gems and ore and rocks and stuff. And they went out there and uh, traveled across Europe and discovered stuff together. He did some other weird stuff. So as he kept going through and discovering more things, he was also somewhat famous for. Uh, in colloquial terms with a lot of other people that were discovering things. And at that time, he actually was aided in discovering that uh, <clears throat> glaciers were responsible for a lot of like the, the etchings and carvings and rock, in the movement. So he was, uh, he another guy with that worked with him to kind of help discover that like the glacier movement is what a lot of these like old stone. Is glacier movement not really perceptible? Is that the thing? Like it's I think over. That, yeah. I think it's just like, <clears throat> it was hard to place that back then when you're like, you don't see glaciers running around moving stuff. Right. You see, it's like, you assume <laughs> it's glacier. like animals or like storms or something or like whatever before it's glacier. So he, he aided in that kind of supporting that discovery as well within his research. 
So it's kind of like all these like big turning times, of, like what what the world is doing and what it has done for years and years past, right? That's like it's around the time period where they start thinking about science as a real thing. Like they start separating science from religion. Exactly. Right. That's what he he aided in that set of discoveries in a very nice way. A lot of the people we've we've talked about before have have kind of bashed that or like been on board one one side or the other. This guy was like very religious, but at the same time was trying to do service to it and, and explain parts of the Bible with what he found in geology and animals. Right. Here's where this gets a little bit interesting. As I said earlier in the classroom, where the you know the powerful animals eat the lesser animals, etc. This guy throughout his life, in the later years of his life, became known for a few of his eccentricities. He was known later on for keeping, obviously, a wide array of animals, including he had a, uh, a bunch of snakes, eagles, monkeys, and a hyena that he named Billy. Is this where he got the skull from? <laughs> uh, not from Billy, but from another <laughs> hyena that he found. Up. Yeah. Hyenas are not tame, right? Those are like uh, vicious I animals. I don't think so. I don't think you can. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so. I think they're crazy. Brutal. Hyenas are fucking crazy. <clears throat> right. Okay. Um, they're like big. I've, like, I've seen. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry yeah. They're they are big. I don't know how he kept them. Um, like a mid-sized dog. This guy. So so before I go to this next part, have you guys, any of you guys seen the, uh, the Ardman Studios movie called The Pirates Band no. of Misfits? No, I know. I mean, I know what I know. Ardman Studios, but from I saw a porn movie by the same name. Does that Good. count? Good. <laughs> yep, that's it. Definitely counts. I remember yeah, seeing that you. in like a blockbuster and thought, why would they make such a cheap knockoff with all these like trashy looking girls on the cover? And then I was like, oh, because it's pornography. Oh. But why was it at yeah. blockbusters? What I never heard, or maybe it was movie gallery. But that makes sense. The movie, movie actually, gallery. Actually, it's it's really good. I really like this. Movie. It's very funny. Um, pirates. The the pirates. Not the, the one. Not the porn. Not the one. Uh, I actually really <laughs> like that one. <laughs> I, re- I actually really like that one. It has some great yeah. cinematography. Okay, so it's it's like a stop motion thing, right? <laughs> yeah, because if you knew if you saw that movie, you would know probably where I was going to next. Yes, it's a stop motion movie. However, there is a person in that in that final part of the, that movie, which <clears throat> uh, I'm, that's a spoiler, but it's going to be a spoiler either way, I guess. Who, now that I mentioned it, whatever yeah, that eats like rare animals and stuff, and okay. like they're trying to eat the last dodo bird that gets discovered. So this guy, as you said before. It turns out that William liked to eat his way through the animal food chain. Wait, the the hyena? No, he didn't oh. eat Billy, as far as I know. Maybe, oh. I mean, maybe, uh, so wait, yeah. his name was William, and he got a thing named Billy. <laughs> Billy, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking yeah. come on. And I, that actually took me a second too. Yeah, I was like, apologize. Yeah, t- yeah. <laughs> I thought you were just properly named. Okay, so the guy's name is William. I forgot that. <laughs> the yeah, hyena yeah. preferred to be called William. <laughs> Please call me William. Fine, so I'll take Billy. Hyena. Fine. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So he right. <laughs> he eat a bunch of different animals, right? And I guess one of his one of his favorite meals was mice on toast. No, nope. good God, nope. yikes! No, gross. Nope. Yeah, I guess what did this guy invent? Other... Oh no, he didn't invent. He just discovered a thing, so he doesn't have to discovered be a bunch of stuff and then ate it. He doesn't have to be uh, smart. <laughs> what is this? A fossil? The yama the yamasaurus. <laughs> Come on, where is it? In my tummy. Mm. Uh, among his <laughs> among his other kind of. Most notable meals. He used to eat uh, porpoise, panther, puppy he, dog. He ate a porpoise on accident, though. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was, it was on accident porpoise, right? Justin. Yep. He, he also, he I would guess... never uh, do that on... Per- well. No, no, no. He, he had a society, which is probably what this is based off of. He had a, there's a society he belonged to called the Acclimatization of Animals, where they also consumed a bunch of these things. One of them, <laughs> uh, some of them being sea slugs, kangaroos, and curacao, which I don't even know what a curacao is. 
Uh, it's like a it's like a rabbit type thing or uh, like a jackalope. C u r a c a o. It's C u r a s s o w. Ooh, never mind. No idea. I think it's a bird. Maybe. So his his goal was to taste every animal it on is Earth. A bird, you're right. <laughs> it looks like a looks like kind of like a pheasant a little bit. I mean that sounds pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how bad can that be? Yeah. Yeah. A little, little cooked pheasant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Just he wanted to it taste with it. a stick. <laughs> eat it. Give me a bite. He wanted to taste every animal on Earth. He said the some of the worst things that he ate were the common mole, Ugh. the blue bottle fly, which is hyper specific, a specific type of fly. How are you? How do you eat that? Well, never mind. Little bites. Whatever. It's probably like a <laughs> like a bite sized morsel. Yeah. Yeah, catch it with like a tongue. Yeah, I guess he had like a he had like a gifted tongue. Where like I guess nope. somebody was somebody was that. like somebody said that one of these like a cathedral in Italy was uh, kind of imbued in the walls uh, with blood of these people. So he like went up there like one time and just like licked the walls and he's like, nope, no, it's urine. <laughs> <laughs> That's like literally what he said. Turns out that yeah. gift is a curse. <laughs> <laughs> you lick this. You just everyone just like pointing to different things that he could lick. Yeah. So the rest of his life, he just tasted things that were urine. He just, uh, yeah. just <laughs> nope. Here. Make him say his catchphrase. Say, nope, it's urine. No. <laughs> Bet you thought that was blood. Nope, urine. <laughs> hey, you're the urine guy. God damn it! So, <laughs> I okay. discovered the dinosaur. Remember so he discovered me? the dinosaur like first off, and then did all this other weird stuff next. This is like in parallel, like around that same time. Oh, okay. Around the same time, he took breaks from discovering dinosaurs. He was licking walls. Mm-hmm. He was yeah, he's licking urine off walls and happened to dinosaurs. Okay, so this 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 is a, this is one of his weirder things because he was eating weird stuff, right? So back in the day, it was a common practice that kings and queens and um, like old dictators stuff like that too. They had some of their like their bodies either they're mummified or given to families and stuff like that too. Kind of like an urn that we do kind of nowadays. Okay, so. There was a, in, in 1848, one of his most famous stories is that he went to go visit a Lord Harcourt at their big castle, right? And apparently nice. they passed or they had there, this this uh, this Lord's family had a silver locket within it, um, decent size, had a piece of King Louis the Fourteenth's heart in it. Oh. And it's like petrified, solidified. Um, and I guess they were passing it around, showing people, Gross. and he just plucked it out of the heart and just, he basically, he said this. He mm-hmm. says, I have eaten many strange things, but I have never eaten the heart of a king before. And he just gulped it down. God I damn. I love it. This love guy's it. the fucking worst. I don't care if he's got dinosaurs. I do not the line like before, him. Well, well, if he just, if he had just eaten it, that's one thing. But the line he said before that was just perfect. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah just passing it around and he just takes it. Yeah. Like, Why didn't he just take a bite instead of eating the whole thing? Is rude. I don't know. I don't know. He just. I guess I don't know if it was a huge. Like it was on the locket, so I don't think it was like the whole heart. And I'm sure over time, whatever piece it was, like shrinks down. But like, it's still it's like some kind of like jerky heart where you're See, like. <laughs> he's like, oh, teriyaki. <laughs> See, if he had just taken a bite, somebody would have been like, man, and grabbed it. Away. But if you take the whole thing in one one gulp. You're like, yeah. well, it's just a room full of people throwing up, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, Gross. yeah. So, I mean, how do you end that night though, too? Because I mean, you once you do that, you're like, well, 
what do we have for dessert? They're just like, get the fuck out of here, right? Like, <laughs> that was my expensive ass heart. Wait, oh, so they weren't related to him, so it wasn't an heirloom. They just no, he it. was just like, he was just another lord that he wanted to go to have a dinner with. I bet it, it was not, I mean, if I had to guess, it probably wasn't really part of his heart. Anyways. You, you never, yeah, I, I don't know. That's the story. Like though, it was that, like it dog butthole, and he's like, I've never had the heart of a king before. <laughs> he just like, like palmed it. Like it's dog like a, yeah, shank. Yeah. Yeah. If you're writing this guy's autobiography, you have to title it so long. It's the man who ate the the heart of a king, colon, the discovery of the first dinosaur. <laughs> King's colon. Yeah. Uh Mega yeah. badass this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy did a bunch more stuff. He's really cool. He did, discovered a bunch more things. Also, right before he died, he got he, he got sick. He got real ill and he contracted an illness <laughs> and he got depressed. And they were like, hey, go out there like they used to do. They'd be like, go like look at meadows and just do what makes you happy. Watch gardens grow. Ah, and- meadows. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I guess he he basically eventually died in 1856 in August. Uh, his, uh, his final thing was that he picked out his own gravesite. And when they went to bury him at that gravesite, they realized that like a couple inches below the grass and the dirt level was just like all Jurassic limestone. So like they couldn't bury him there. She picked it out on purpose. And so they had to like blow that shit up with dynamite and like blow a huge crater in the ground just so they could put him down there and then rebury him with like other rocks and dirt nearby. He picked so, that spot on purpose? Yeah. Because, because he it was impossible to bury him there? Yeah. Because it was like he like because he was like a geological thing where he like played a joke on everybody and like made him blow that shit up so they could put his crater in the ground. A fucking dick. Yeah, yeah that guy's not cool. <laughs> he just ate the. How old was he when he ate the heart? Would you do? Do you have that? Can you figure that out? Uh, this was in. I think he was in his about fifties or so. Weird. How yeah, old was, was he when he died? Was like, uh, his seventies, really. No, oh, okay, yeah. So I mean, it was a little bit later, but um, he was ill for a little bit. There was a an elegy that was intended for him that was written um, that basically said this as follows, which would be my conclusion. Where, 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 comes up. Zombie dino comes out of the ground. How dare you? My, my name was elegy. Billy the entire time. <laughs> this is the elegy that was written. Um, What's this guy's name? One more time before you. Do his, this. Name, his name. Uh, his name is William Buckland. William Buckland. Okay. Or Bill Buckland. Billy Buckland. So, Billy Buckland. Yeah. That's where shall we? Where shall we our great professor inter, that in peace may rest his bones? If we hew him a rocky sepulchre, he'll rise and break the stone, and examine each stratum that lies around, for he's quite in his element underground. Dot, dot, dot. Welcome to Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, that. Yeah. Yes. Like, he's like, I want you guys to to bury me here, and please don't spare any expense. Yeah, I like how he's like, remember me for discovering kind of the rock glacier thing and the dinosaur thank you, and they're like, what about that fucking heart thing that you remember? The weird dinner party where you ate the heart out of the locket? The human heart piece? He's like, nah, I don't remember that. Remember the cool, the cool stuff? Yeah. So yeah. That's, uh, that is William Buckland, fucking the weird. Uh, eccentric weirdo that discovered the megalosaurus and aka the, the first Full, uh, fully realized fossil of a dinosaur. Hmm. I like it. It's interesting. I do like dinosaurs. His life. So his discovery led more people to be like, oh shit, there's probably more dinosaurs. Is that the gist? Right. Basically, um, 
his, his discovery was basically like, this is old and this is not an animal that we have right now. So this basically says this dates back. And he also made the claim that this dates back so far that there were not simultaneously humans and dinosaurs at the same time living together. Mm. This this is dates back pre pre people, and that was kind of a big people. head explosion at the time for people following because people thought there was always people. Yeah, stupid. Yeah, and that's I mean, so ironically, the guy who discovered dinosaurs had to make the point early on. By the way, they were not there at the same time as people. Even though nowadays we still have people who think that people and dinosaurs were around at the exact same time. I guess. Why, yeah. why do people do people that are educated think that or no? No, Bible people think this. It, and it helps them yeah. sort out the Bible yeah. beliefs. Yeah, I mean yeah. they have they yes, part of the belief is like you've heard the thing where like the earth like, okay, well then how do you explain dinosaur fossils? And people are like, Well, God can do anything, so he created the earth with age. He like ha- he just made an earth with dinosaur fossils already in it. That's or like, the okay, devil yeah. made fossil dinosaurs to make you doubt your belief in God or something. It makes like sense that. though, the devil would do it because it's closer to hell, right? He's such a trickster. A little Smart. bit. Yeah. Just a little Weird. bit. Weird. All, right. Right. All right. Well, John, what did you yeah. think of this uh, topic? Inventors, it's crazy good. inventors. It's good. It let me down. A, it let me down a lot of wormholes during the um, the research process. Yes, um, we live in like we live in like one of the best times. where like we're enjoying we're enjoying a lot of awesome inventions. We can all live in some really great comfort because of the inventions of the past. And so it's like, you know, we often just sort of overlook them, take them for granted. You know what I mean? Driving our car, knowing about dinosaurs and, you know, rockets. This is the life. Dinosaurs. (laughs) (laughs) Just driving down the road, looking at a meadow. (laughs) Imagine if you didn't know about dinosaurs. I mean. I can't. I've always known. I think. (laughs) Exactly. In my heart. Exactly. And you could thank Billy the hyena for that, Justin. Yeah, I know. Yeah. (laughs) What person did you think you found the most interesting, Adam? Like of all the people who's who's maybe not the whole story. What I don't know. What aspect of this episode did you like the best? Found the most interesting out of our three. Yeah. Oh, I, I like Adam's guy. Uh, specifically. Yeah. Because you like yeah, dinosaurs. Yeah. yeah, I like dinosaurs. You like eating them. And if I could. <laughs> Just their hearts. Dinosaur. <laughs> I liked. Uh, I liked the the link to previous episodes with the order templi reorientation. Nailed um, it. <laughs> I don't think yeah. he got that right. Uh, um, yeah, so close. But yeah, I, I like the the link back, the tie back. Where it's kind of cool when you like you do some of this research, right? And then you you like some other completely separate time. You're, you're like researching something, and then you're like you think that you're way the hell over here, and then all of a sudden they merge back up, and you're like, I know something about this weird space they're going into. Wait, yeah. this person knew this person, and then you have some backstory of that other person. You know? Yes, that's it's cool. pretty a lot of context there. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah, I think had I had not done my research about the OTO before when I read yeah. that section, I would have been like kind of lost about like, what are they talking about? Right. Cause it's like, right. it's kind of a deep subject on its own. So then knowing that actually I felt like this, this episode helped me shed more light to really understand what the OTO was about. Like okay. The other one was yeah, like, yeah. here's the structure. And this one was like, here's what the day in the life looks like kind of. Uh, and I, I may not have touched that on that here, but in my reading, I, I talked, I read a little bit more about it. Yeah. yeah. I, um, I liked, I liked John's guy because he, I, do you know this, that like seatbelts used to be one strap that came down and one strap that went across? It was two separate belts. And I then, think they, uh, uh, yes, even those, that, that was kind of like that when we were kids, if I remember. Oh, yeah. Because so there was the, like a little 
thing, like a little yeah. like triangle thing, right? That like held them together sometimes, wasn't there? Like so, they, the, the three point safety harness is was an invention by I want to say Volvo, but I could be wrong. But some Who? European uh, car man- Volvo European car manufacturer invented the three point oh. harness. Oh, Volvo did it, oh, and then okay. didn't patent it and was like, everyone should use this because it's way safer. Yes, mm. agreed. Right, and it's like so. These first safety belt was probably just a lap belt. Yes, I and believe so. They were like, you know what? We're still bending at the waist and really smacking our face on this dash. So maybe we should have something uh, that keeps our chest back. Let's put a horn on the dashboard to make it funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, why do you research that guy? Because <laughs> that's what I want to hear about. Why is Ronald McDonald? So I, I don't know. I, I like the episode. I like, mm. but it is interesting to me to learn about these things because I didn't like. I guess I didn't know where rockets. I thought by the fifties they already had rockets. I guess. But, yeah. I mean, because weren't they launching like in the sixties? They were launching. You, you, your your guy was very specific, Justin, because like rockets have like I, I I always feel like rockets had like had had like many different fathers. Like there's many different people who invented <clears throat> the rocket. Like there's you know I don't yeah. know. Yeah, I yeah. Think for like he's credited with inventing the modern rocket engine, or okay, giving yeah. a, like not like because like fireworks are yeah. rockets, right? The the, the, yeah, say the to, Chinese, yeah, the Chinese kind of invented the right. rocket technically a, a long time ago, sort of. Yes, but I mean, like the, the yeah. rocket engine that could use the kind of fuel that we use today, kind of to that, take us into space, right? Right. Like, yeah. There okay. might not be Neil Armstrong on the moon and first man if mm-hmm. yeah this guy didn't do his stuff. Mm-hmm. And it is, yeah. I mean, the, he died in an explosion. So, like, you're like, oh, he's really into explosions. Like, to, more, to the point where it, you know, they talk about, like, uh, there was one part I didn't really talk about. But, like, all the other people at Caltech hated him and his group because they were so disruptive and destructive. Like, the noise. And the, yeah. Like, he got, at some point, they got, like, a $200,000 <laughs> grant or something like that. And the first 25% of it had to go to repair a bunch of buildings around Caltech because they had broken a bunch of stuff with their experience. Here's $20,000. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> that's very comedic, actually, the fact that, yeah. like, that's, I mean, that, that's, a, that, that's something you, maybe. like, if somebody were writing that into a script, like, I'm like, well, that's kind of corny. He's a rocket guy that blows up his, that thing, that part? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah like, the yeah. section of the section where he worked, it was always, like, explosions and loud. Stuff. Oh, that, Keep yes. it down! The guy with the nightcap on, keep it down up yeah. there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Man, so do you think it's interesting? Go ahead. But sorry, just real quick. Like, I like this topic because I'm. Not, I'm actually. I'm curious. When you guys were kids, maybe we. T- I don't know if we talked about this before, but when you guys were a kid, were kids, what was your number one like dream job? Like, what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be an inventor. Did you? Yes. I'm not like I'm not <laughs> oh, joking. That's okay. what no, I wanted no, no. to be was an invent an inventor. No, I think that's not far from mine. So yeah. Like that's what um, I yeah, wanted to I would, be. I liked Legos. I liked like Honey, I Shrunk the Kids was like the movie for me because he oh, basically. Yeah. Like I started taking apart my toys after I saw that movie. Inventing, inventing was really big in the '90s though too. There was like a lot of event, like Inspector Gadget was around and stuff like that too. Where there was yeah. like a lot of like gizmos, right? No, I wanted to be Indiana gizmo. Jones. What's that? You wanted no. Indiana Jones? So archaeologist, adventurer, Which you, Yeah. <laughs> Rugged. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean you're pretty much there. Uh, yeah, <laughs> a sleeves artist. <laughs> Look what how the couple tables have turned. I close my eyes and it says "fuck you" on the eyelash. Starring Justin Snell in Raiders of the Lost Fart. (laughs) I I did find that fart. It turns out. 
<laughs> my, uh, my, my thing when I was a kid was uh, I wanted to be Don't a... Don't look at it! Face <laughs> 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 melting. Just fucking melting Nazis all over the place. <laughs> that was a dream. I, uh, I wanted to be a mad scientist. I liked inventing and stuff like that too. It's like inventing in general was kind of part of that. But I, I always wanted to be like a mad scientist, chemist type of but like inventing yes. stuff in that was really would be really cool. So you didn't like Iron Man? Have you seen that movie? I did. I did. I liked Iron Man. Oh, okay, because that seems like something where he's like this mad scientist. He's working on all of this stuff, and he's doing. Yeah. It seems like you'd like that. Yeah, and I like Robert Downey Jr. So I, I liked. I liked Iron Man a lot. Oh, okay, I thought it was good. Who do you uh, know yeah, doesn't I, like Iron Man, Justin? Adam doesn't generally like superhero movies. I think. I don't like a ton of them. I don't like a ton of them. I like some of them. Yeah, uh, that's okay. I haven't I mean, seen all just once. I should, I should, I honestly should just give another try to be honest, because like, I, I know there's a new Avengers movie coming out next month. Oh my god! Yeah, the, the trailer, the trailer came out today and it blew my mind. I know. I know. Yeah. I, I, I might have to watch You should, if nothing else, you should watch the Thor movies because I think you would really like those. Just I've heard those are good. I, I, I know I need to. I haven't watched a movie probably since this podcast. I literally don't watch, movies, but I will. I have it on my list of a handful of movies. Don't watch. <laughs> but uh, you guys just, should watch Pirates and or October Sky Man. Movie's super good. Yeah, that movie's actually a little, bit, a little bit sad. It's like one of those like it's sad, but then it's like a feel good movie kind of at the end, but like in a in a in a well done way. Okay, is it uh, Jake Gyllenhaal or uh, Billy Bob Thornton? Jake Gyllenhaal. What's the Billy Bob Thornton one I'm thinking of with Rock? Bad Santa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that you're thinking about the one where the guy is the self. He's like inventing things himself. He's building a rocket in like his barn or something like that. Yeah, something like that. What a stupid, stupid movie that sounds oh, like. Oh, it's an old movie, 99, October Sky. Yeah. Oh, but it's got Chris Cooper in which is dad. And like his dad, they work in the mines, like the coal mines, whatever. And he's like, he gets a scholarship to become rockets. And Chris Cooper's like, you're going to work in the fucking mine. And he's just like, but I want to build rockets kind of thing. And then the teacher has to step in and be like, he's going to build rocket. That's the synopsis. Yeah. <laughs> that old story. <laughs> Dude, you should quit your job and just do movie pre- pre- like uh, synopsis on YouTube. 10 second movie trailers. Yeah. And uh uh mm uh uh rockets. <laughs> uh uh you're going to build rockets. Yeah, he's going to build rockets. He's going to build rockets. Why is this middle-aged white guy doing <laughs> sassy black woman <laughs> movie reviews on <laughs> Yeah. You can check us out uh on Facebook, facebook.com slash research and destroy podcast. You can message us on Facebook uh at said Facebook page. Uh, you can get all of our episodes on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. And if you like this episode, please go to any of those places and give us five stars. Leave us a review. Even if it's the worst podcast you've ever heard, go give us a review as long as you say five stars. Mm-hmm. Um, please do it. Yeah. I love it. I like I like the reviews, good and bad. I want feedback. And if you have ideas of something you want us to hear us destroy and research, maybe <laughs> not quite as balanced as I may have advertised at the top of the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, man. Uh, just send us a message. <laughs> Anyways, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. It's your story now. You, you, you decide what is right. Right.